Welcome to episode five of True to the Cougs, brought to you by Believe Network. My name is Jamie Vinnick. With me, as always, my partner, Marcus Trufant. Marcus, how are we doing? Doing well, Jamie. How are you doing, my man? Doing well. Doing well. Can't complain all except for the, the heartbreaking loss of last Saturday, yeah. Washington State leading by two scores in the final minutes against Oregon, and then the Ducks turning it on and taking that game uh, from 32 uh, – I think it was 30 or 34-22 to 41-34 in a matter of minutes. Just your reaction to to as that all transpired. Just like you said, man, it was a, a tough game. It was a heartbreaker. It looked like the Cougs was going to run away with that thing, man. I was up. I, I was up. Energy was good. I was smiling from ear to ear. I was gathering my social media posts that I was going to post after the game. But then, uh, just like you said, man, that fourth quarter was was um, pretty tough. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of lot of points, of course. And then things just didn't go our way, man. The whole game, I felt like we were really in control of that game. But after halftime, it kind of like slowly but surely, you kind of saw this thing kind of building, man, and it didn't really work out for us. But Cougs still got a chance, man. I hope we can put something together. But it was a uh, a game that I expected, a close game, but Cougs just didn't finish down the stretch. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the funny thing about being the beat about being a beat writer and being there is you don't have time to react emotionally. Like, I can't start getting mad because then it comes out in my writing. But, you know, as yeah. I reflected later, it's like, man, that's You'd just... be like, I hate this. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, right, I got yeah. caught doing that in the game last year. Uh, it was the Utah State game. It was my first game covering the team. And, you know, I'd already pre-written everything for a win. And then it was so upset about the loss, everything that... I wrote came from a place of emotion and um, and just anger. And uh, yeah, so not able to do that. But no, it was um, it was frustrating, I think, just to see it happen and just kind of the way it played out. But we'll, uh, we'll move kind of into segment two and break down the the individual things. Just overall, Marcus, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, I thought the Cougs played good, man. I thought that they, for the most part, um, as far as – the scrambling around and doing different things that Bo Nix can do. I thought they, for the most part, they kept him in check. I know he had some good numbers on the uh, pass. Let me see what he did. He, he was uh, 33 for 44 for uh, 428 yards. That's a lot of yards passing. But as far as extending plays and doing a bunch of that stuff, he didn't kill us on that side of it. He, he had some scrambles and stuff down the stretch where he, he was trying to get out of bounds and do that kind of stuff. But um, and that's the defensive side. Offensively, I thought we did good, man. I thought we mixed it up. I thought Cam Ward was on point. Um, I thought the running backs, they did their thing. We didn't have a ton of yards rushing, but um, when we did get um, the thing rolling, um, as far as the running game, it showed up. What we I didn't like in the running game was when we ran into a bunch of blisses. I don't know if that was just perfect calls by Oregon, but those little draw plays and those little uh, zone plays or whatever you call them, the, the blitz just seemed like it was right on time, man. But other than that, there's a couple defensive calls in there that I, I get it. I didn't really like a lot of the just middle of the field wide open and everything has to be perfect in order for you to get there. But again, I think the Cougs played well enough to win. It's, a uh, handful of plays there that we wish we could have back, a little clock management, 
issues I felt like as far as getting out of bounds on some of those running plays, um, stopping the clock, man, and having a little bit more time down there. But overall, the Cougs played well. We just didn't make it happen, man. A tear could come out, uh, a tear could come out of my eye right now. But just like you, Jamie, in your writing, um, I'm gonna try to keep it professional, my man. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned that there were some calls you didn't like. And, you know, from my standpoint, and again, that's the standpoint of someone who, is, who never played the game outside of uh, not our third grade. I played, uh, I played tight end. I got two passes. But I like someone, it. Someone who has never been, you know, the, an X is a nose guy. That's just isn't my, my perfect understanding. But it, it seemed like to me that Wazoo was running a lot of zone. Um, and, and actually that I can, I can say I, I know they were running a lot of zone. Uh, but now, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of times zone only works when, A, you have, you know, ta- uh, experience at safety, so where you're not going to get beat over the top, and when you're getting pressure. Because otherwise, it seems like, to me, the quarterback can sit there, if there's no pressure, go through his reads, go through his progressions, and the receivers can find the soft spots in the zone. And, and as Washington State wasn't getting pressure because of how good Oregon's offensive line is, still haven't allowed a sack, it, it felt like zone was a bit of a – of an interesting um, or maybe not the best decision to run there. And I'm not trying to say I know more than Brian Moore, the defensive coordinator. I don't. And I'm not trying to, to challenge or question him. It just it was pecu- peculiar to me that they were running so much zone in a situation like that. Well, I think playing against a team like Oregon, that does have a good running game, right? They, they like to move the ball down the field. They push the ball down the field with the pass game, but they have a heck of a running game too. So you just can't do a bunch of all out blitzes and um, do a bunch of man to man stuff. And you got guys with their back turned to the ball. So you kind of have to run some forms of zone uh, to keep your guys in there. And um, I like zone, but just like you said, Jay, if there's no pressure zone is pretty much a pitch and catch, man. And that's what it felt like at times. And, I'm not taking nothing away from the defense. I felt like the defense um, stood up. They made plays when they need to. When they um, they had some big plays. They had an interception, man, for pick six and um, got some um, nice plays, some big hits and stuff. And the guys, um, you know, I like my guy, Henley, as well. Sideline to sideline, but when it came down to it, and I'm talking about not zone coverage now. I'm talking about blitzing and doing some different stuff to where there's nobody on the back end. That's where you pretty much got to win the lottery, right? And everything has to be perfect. Everything has to line up. And uh, that puts everybody in a bad situation if everything doesn't go right. That was kind of one thing I specifically wanted to ask you about. If, if you look at Oregon's last touchdown, their last offensive touchdown, 50 yards to Troy Franklin, mm. uh, Jaden, Jaden Hicks gets, gets beat. From, I mean, and Franklin's is maybe as good of a receiver as there is in the Pac-12. I mean, five-star talent that's playing like a five-star. This, this guy is, is truly a star. Um, you know, gets free on a post, breaks the tackle of Hicks, goes all the way. Again, to my untrained eye, that looked like they were in some kind of a cover zero where everyone's coming, the rest, all the DBs are matched man-to-man, and there is no safety help over the top. A, first off, is that is that correct? Was that cover zero they were running in that situation? If you remember the play um, and the formation, I should say. I do. I'm not in the huddle, but to me <laughs> – it looked like zero, man. There's nobody in the back except for um, Hicks and the goalpost, right? And then you got the receiver, and the, the blitz just doesn't get there. And that's what you got with cover zero, and we talked about the pass rush earlier. If the pass rush doesn't happen and the ball doesn't come out now, you're, you're pretty much at a loss, man, and that's how it works. And the DBs are kind of sitting flat-footed, and you're 
you're pretty much ready to be toast if everything doesn't go perfect. And that's what I'm talking about. I, I understand the call. You want to be aggressive. But again, um, if the pass rush doesn't get there, if everybody's not on their guy, if you get a pick or something like that, you get crossing routes, it makes it very, very tough. And they didn't get to Knicks, man. And um, a nice ball over the middle, you get a missed tackle and he's off to the races. So tough, tough call for the Cougs. It just didn't happen, man. But um, yeah, I think we held a couple more of those in the game too. That didn't go our way. So we might've wanted to throw that play out, man. It didn't work the first time, didn't work the second time. I know it's sometimes third time is a charm, but it didn't work for us, my man. It, it did seem like, yeah, there was a lot of cover zero, cover one blitzes. Uh, I mean, if you look at, you know, obviously the, the defense deserves a ton of credit for all the red zone stops, but a lot of those happened because the receiver got free behind the safeties. Um, and, and, you know, and it's the safeties are, are inexperienced. I mean, Sam Lockett, you know, is that's this was his third career, fourth career start at Washington State. He had played Juco and a little bit at Utah State. Jaden Hicks has only played four or five career games. You know, I, I think you, you missed Jordan Lee on the back end. You know, he's got the four years of experience. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and just say, oh, the safeties suck. But, he, but I, I do think that there was just some, some unfortunate scenarios that kind of played in. I think that, you know, it, it's clear through four games, Wazoo wants to be his own team. And I think that generally will work when you can get pressure. I, I just think, as you were saying, there are maybe some scenarios where, it would have, you know, you, you would have tried at least to go a little bit of man or at least have, if you're going to go some kind of cover, have the safety deep, have a little bit of help in center field, um, especially when, you know, you have, they have the big play threats. But, you know, the other question a lot of people were frustrated late was with the offense. Um, the Cougs get the ball back after Oregon makes it a one-score game. They go three and out. And the big frustration was, well, why aren't we burning clock? Why aren't we burning clock? You know, you, you mentioned the run game and, um, I think that was a it was a, a bit of a dilemma where Washington State was not running the ball well. You don't want to stop a clock with passes, but you don't want to run into the teeth of the line three times. And, you know, the, the, the cold, hard truth of the matter is your offensive line did not do a good job uh, protecting against the run. It was actually uh, pro football focus has been doing weekly grades for for each aspect of the game now for almost a decade. This was Wazoo's lowest run blocking grade in any game since 2013. So since pro football focus started, it had never been lower. Now, granted, Washington State didn't run a whole lot. So there, right. there's a few years where you weren't running a lot. But um, I think that was another one where you're kind of you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you will. Right. And I, um, I think for us, I know we have some of those quick passing plays that kind of act as kind of the running game. But if you don't get those, um, the, the clock is stopped, right? And that's what we didn't want. We wanted to burn clock and we wanted to keep the ball moving. So, um, yeah, I could understand the frustration of the, um, the Cougar faithful out there that like, all right, guys, I know we're a pass happy team and we got this cool grade, but when it comes down to it, you have to be able to run the ball. If that's what you need to do, you have to be able to do that. It starts with the old line, of course. And you said they, they, um, pretty much failed the test, right? <laughs> they got their lowest grade, but, but even with all that said, Jamie, they were still in the game and they were very close. And some games are going to be ugly like that. Some games are going to be nasty. You got to find a way to have that clock management towards the end or get that one first down that you need. And that puts you over the top, man. And that's how you get the W. That's what Oregon did, man. They fought hard all game. It looked nasty for them at some time, but they came through in the clutch exactly when they needed to. 
I think you saw what having experience at quarterback can do for you. I mean, Bo Nix, obviously, there's been ups and downs when he was at Auburn, but, you know, he's seen the bright lights. Uh, he knows how to win a game like that. And I'm not saying Cam Ward doesn't. Um, you know, he did that against Wisconsin, but there, there's a level of when Nix is playing these high-profile New Year's Six games and Ward's still kind of learning about that experience. You know, he maybe didn't need the, the game-winning drive so much in the Southland where – you know, you're going to need them here. I mean, it's you just it's how the Pac-12 works. But and I'm not I'm not, you know, taking a shot at Cam. They're not even in that game without Cam. I mean, you look at the yeah. the plays he makes off script, some of the throws he makes, um, you know, they, they're nowhere even close to uh, a two score lead in the fourth quarter without Cam Ward. Um, right. And he'll, he'll learn from this. And Cam's going to get on himself about the interceptions, which to me, I, I think it's hard to fault him for either. One shouldn't have been an interception. I mean, it was the catch and then ripped out on the ground. The other, the guy makes a great play. I mean, I've always been in the belief that a defensive end or a linebacker makes a play like that off the line, you tip the cap because that's just a good play. Yeah, yeah. Agree, agree. Um, But I think, you know, Jake Dicker took a lot of responsibility for for the loss. I mean, he he said it today, too, that falls on his shoulders and, um, you know, starts with him all the way down. So I think they'll, uh, I, I think they'll bounce back and be ready and, with that, we'll move into our third segment. That is a preview of the Cal Golden Bears. So Cal is three and one. They beat UC Davis. They barely survived UNLV. Uh, lost close to Notre Dame and then blew the doors off Arizona. Um, so what's their resume? That no one really knows. UNLV right. actually looks decent at three and one. Notre Dame's Notre Dame by name. Are they Notre Dame by uh, you know results right now? Maybe not. And I don't think anyone has any idea what Arizona is, but. I think they're a lot better than people expected. I think it's the same Cal team of run the ball, play defense. We can throw it if necessary. Um, and they've got one of the best young running backs in the country in Jade Knott, who's coming off 274 yards against Arizona and three touchdowns. Right. Yeah, man, it's um, going to be one of those games for the Cougars, man. I know we're built for speed on defense, and we got guys that some may see as being a little lighter, right? Um Sometime at that linebacker spot, but I think the Cougs are fit for this game. We played well against Wisconsin and we handled that run. We stayed in there. We had to bend, but don't break the type of mentality. So I think this is what this Cal game is going to be about. And it's going to be about being right, man. Um, they talk about defense and they talk about zero coverage and stuff like that, but everybody has to be on point. Everybody got to be in their gap. Um, the guys have to hold leverage. For the most part in the Oregon game, I felt like the defense held the edges pretty good. It wasn't a bunch of runs that were breaking out to the sidelines and big, long runs. There might have been a few here and there, but it wasn't nothing crazy. I thought the guys did really good. So that's what they're going to have to be against Cal. And the offense is going to do its thing, man. You talked about Cam Ward and everything that he did, man. Some of those highlights is just the stuff you do on video games, right? So this dude is really that dude, man. And he, he comes out and he comes out to play and he has no um, fear. I mean, he has no conscience about it. If he makes a mistake, man, he just comes back and he keeps fighting. So that's what they're going to have to continue to do on offense. And the defense, like I said, is really going to have to start, um, stop this run game. And you want to put Cal into um, the past situations and make them fight it kind of one-handed you uh take that running game away and you make them pass happy and that's when you get sacks and turnovers and all that kind of cool stuff and then and then it's a party at the ball my man 
I think uh, one thing it'll be uh, interesting to watch how Washington State adjusts to the fact that Cal and Washington State, it's going to be an ugly game because it is always an ugly game. The last four years, these two teams have played. Washington State has scored 63 points. And keep in mind, that includes three years, three years of Mike Leach's air raid in that same span. Uh, That's too many Cal- damn points, man. That's too many points. That's no defense, right? No, no, 63 in four games. Oh, Okay. Over the course of okay. four games, they scored 63 points. Okay. I mean, they always had the answer for, for Leach's air raid. Um, so Wazoo has scored 63. Uh, Cal has scored 89. A lot of those came in one game uh, on a Friday night a few years ago that I think okay. um, most Coug fans uh, do not remember fondly. It was a 37-3 loss after Wazoo was, was 6-0. and But these games have just been – I mean, even in the Minshew year, it was a 1913 game. Wazoo fumbled out of the back of their end zone, which, which should have been a defensive touchdown. There was a terrible targeting call. These games never make sense for a team that has probably not played a whole lot, especially in offense, has not played a whole lot of the, the cow ugly ball. How do you make sure that you're ready for that and understand that stupid things are going to happen when you play cow? I, I think it's a good thing for the Cougs, man, that they haven't been a part of those past games. I think – that's why um, but you kind of only know what you know, right? And when you come in or something and you don't even know exactly what you're getting into, you just come in fresh, you come in um, light and easy, and you're not pressing too much, man. So I think it should be one of those type of situations. And uh, again, the offense was on point. I felt like that they were rolling. So if they can continue to do what they did against Oregon, but the tweak um, – some of those running plays, of course, where you're running straight into the blitz and it appeared that a couple guys came off their blocks or something like that. But you just have to keep grinding, man, and make sure that in those key situations, like I said before, you manage the clock right. And, um, and maybe you mix it up a little bit more, man. I know that we're running some of those quick um, passes out there and there's a lot of traffic out there. And I know we do all types of fakes. I know we got the jet sweeps and the guys crossing. You got Cam that's flipping the ball. We got all types of fakes going on. But maybe we fake some of that stuff and we take a deep shot. Something. I'm not in the uh, offensive coordinator world, but I would just like to see him mix it up a tad bit more on those short um, screens out there to the flat. You know, one question I I think is fair to ask about this. is there extra nerves after a loss? I mean, from for I mean, do you think there should be, or do you think that was Wazoo lost to a better team and they're going to come out and do what they do again? Wazoo definitely didn't lose to a better team because the Cougs were right there. I think the execution and um, attention to detail in a couple plays there. It was just a handful of plays, and I believe it was down the stretch, right, man. And after halftime, things started to look a little different. I don't like to talk about momentum because um, I feel like momentum is just doing the right thing for a longer than your opponent, right? About um, just making sure you execute and things like that. So the Cougs are rolling. They just need to fix a couple plays here and there. And I think they'll be okay, man. I think we should be able to beat Cal. It's going to be a tough game, but I think we should come out with the dub. What's the biggest key in your opinion? And I'll share mine as well. But what do you think the biggest key to beating Cal is this weekend? Stopping the run, man. Stopping the run. I know you talked about it earlier, but that's what Cal does, man. So we definitely need to stop that I mean, to get the ball back to the offense. See, I'm going to – I agree with that, but I, I think generating pressure. Cal does not mm-hmm. block well. They're, I think, 112th in the country in giving up sacks. They've given up 12 or 13 sacks. Um, they've got one of the lowest-rated offensive lines in the country. 
a week after you. And this is an interesting fact. Wazoo does not have a sack against a Power 5 team this year. They did not have a sack against Wisconsin. Yeah. They don't have one. They didn't have one against Oregon. All 14 came against Idaho and Colorado State. Now, okay. they're not going to see offensive lines better than those two probably this year. But I think this is a chance for that defensive line to bounce back after what was a frustrating. I'm not going to say it was a bad game because I think it was more Oregon's offensive line than anything. I mean, th- those guys are just unbelievable. Uh, I mean, their their technique and their footwork and everything. But I think the defensive line is going to have a field day. And I would I bet five I would say five six sacks. And I think that's what's going to dictate this game. Okay, I like it, Jamie. I like it. All right. We'll move now into uh, into the fourth segment. And, you know, one of the things that can always be hard for a team is, is you lose in, in heartbreaking fashion. And then on one hand, you've got six days and you get to go play again, so you can flush it. On the other hand, you've got to bounce back within six days. I'm going to take us back, Marcus, to 2001. Cougs lose to Oregon at home. Uh, first loss of the year. Uh, I, I was – I mean, I, I admittedly was – four years old, so I don't remember a whole lot from the game, but um, Wazoo loses to the Ducks by a touchdown in Martin Stadium. They come back the next week, or you guys come back the next week, and you beat number nine UCLA at home. What did it, I, I know this was a while ago, but right. what did it take to do that? What did it take to to flush such a, a gut-wrenching loss and such a tough defeat and then turn around and, you know, six days later, beat a top 10 team? It's your leadership, man. I think it's all about your leadership. I think your veteran players, your older players, and even your coaches, the communication of what um, has to take place that next week, man, is really just about and not going into the tank. I know you played your heart out the week before. Um, the Cougs, of course, they had their sights on being ranked and doing all this kind of stuff, but you just got to take a step back and be like, okay, we still got a lot of football to play, man, and let's get this thing right. There's the the game wasn't terrible. Let's go back and watch the film and let's check it out and let's tweak and fix these little things. And let's do it angry and let's practice hard this week and let's come back and let's be ready to play, man. It's not um, it's, it's not rocket science, right? But let's be cool, calm, and collective until it's um, – time not to be, and then let's go wild, let's go crazy, but let's uh, approach this like grown man, and let's be um, very mature about this, and let's lock in. Some guy named Marcus Trufant had a pick in that UCLA game. Hey, and I think I had a cast on, man. I might have been one-handed on that one, huh? Well, some guy named Lamont Thompson set the program record for interceptions in that game as well with four. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's my guy. Wanda, actually, this is a, a funny anecdote. I don't know if you knew this. So, Francisco Mangoa's pick six on Saturday was 95 yeah. yards. Second longest pick six in Coug history. The longest, Will Durding. So, your two longest are linebackers that wear 51. Not defensive backs, but the big boys were <laughs> with the same number going 95 right. and 98 yards. You, you guys couldn't top them with all those NFL DBs? Hey, man, that's big for the linebacker room, man. I am not mad at that, but – um. That means the DB's got to step up, man. It's still time. It's still a lot of football to play. So we, um, you know, I guess maybe Marsh or somebody or Smith Wade or somebody could get one of these things and take it to the crib, man. But I'm not taking nothing away from the linebackers. They did their thing, and um, I'll take it. I'll give the linebackers that W. But the DB's, we coming, and we coming for y'all. Moving on to the fifth segment, uh, let's talk a little Pac-12 storylines. You got three uh, 4-0 teams. USC, UCLA, UW. Um, 
three teams that have reached said place in, in very different ways. You know, USC had all the hype in the world. They blow out their first three teams, and then they struggled in Corvallis. Oregon State gave them a game, and the Trojans had to survive. Washington looked like they had the big statement win against Michigan State. Well, then Michigan State just got destroyed by Minnesota. Um, and then from there, you've got UCLA, who beats Bowling Green, Alabama State, uh, South Alabama, and Colorado. So not the strongest of schedules. Are which of those teams, if any of them, are actually for real? Um, I haven't watched all of them, but from the team I have been watching, and to my surprise, and um, I'm not gonna say that I'm hating on them quite just yet, but I like the Huskies, man. I like what they're doing over there. I like their quarterback, um, Penix or a Penix, Penix, yeah. Oh, okay, Penix, the big Penix energy is a couple shirts i've been seeing around seattle <laughs> people are wearing those out here it's pretty funny but yeah man he, he looks really good and he's throwing the ball really well and their running game is showing up um and they're just playing some all-around good football they they kind of have their own version of the air raid ish type of offense but the offense is really looking good over there man and they're well coached over there so um I'm a fan of the Huskies. They're ranked what now? Number um, 18 or something like that? I think they got up to uh, to 15 this week. 15, yeah. So um, it's well-deserved, and they're putting it together. They're doing good. Uh, yeah, USC is up to six. Washington's okay. 15. Oregon's 13. Utah, 12. Um, and then Wazoo was uh, receiving votes, as was Oregon State and UCLA. And then you have UW-UCLA. So a couple undefeated teams meet this week. Um, you know, in, in Westwood on a Friday night, one of those games that, that could be interesting in terms of UW has not played away from home. Uh, can they handle the adversity of playing somewhere else? Um, and what happens? I mean, they haven't had any adversity this year. They've punched everybody in the mouth. Right. What happens when someone punches back? I guess we'll see, man. And like I said, they, they're um, a kind of a scrappy bunch, and that's usually how they are over here on the west side. They like to talk a lot of trash and all that kind of stuff. I know it's always like that in the Apple Cup. But um, I think they're a pretty good team, man. I think they're a really good team, and I'm quietly rooting for the Huskies. I don't have no purple shirts, no purple hats, and nothing like that. But, um, I mean, I want to see them do well. well just add again that it's because your brother went there. Just, just so we're clear, Absolutely. it's because your brother went there. Yeah, don't want the Coog family to disown me, man. So I'm still here with y'all. Make Coogs through and through. Good, good answer. But I mean, you, uh, the Trufon brothers, cover. Uh, they cover the three Division One schools in the state: Eastern See? UW and Wazoo. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll move now into the sixth segment. Start to wrap things up. Uh, another solid week for the Coogs in the NFL. River Craycraft, second straight week with a touchdown. Uh, Jalen Watson drew Michael Pittman Jr. Um, in the Chiefs Colts game and, and did a good job on him. Frankie Louvu had another good week. And I think Abe Lucas maybe struggled a little bit in week two, but he bounced back for the Seahawks yesterday. Um, it was a, pro a positive and a not so positive game for the Seahawks. Yeah, man. The Seahawks faithful are uh, kind of going through it a little bit over here, but it's okay. I'm trying to do my part as far as keeping everybody cool, calm, and collective and just chill out a little bit. It's a lot of football to be played, but um, talking about the Cougs, man, you, you talk about uh, um, talk about my man over there in Miami. Uh, he, he pretty much, all he does is catch touchdowns, right? Yeah. All he does is catch touchdowns. Doesn't get uh, a lot of reps, but when he does, he finds a way to, uh, to find the end zone. So that's pretty much money in the bank 
And then you talk about my man, um, down there with the Chiefs, tackles and making impact, man, is being felt. So I like it. It's a good look. And Cougs keep doing it, man. I just get to the bag. Thank you for listening to True to the Cougs with Jamie Vinnick and Marcus Trufant, brought to you by the Believe Network. Make sure to follow True to the Cougs on Instagram at True to the Cougs. And we should have a Twitter page, uh, hopefully by the time this airs on Tuesday morning. Uh, and make sure to tune in next week. And you can check this out on the website, on Apple Podcasts, uh, the other, uh, what's the Spotify, I think it's on, and all the all the great podcast places to, to listen in. And as always, we'll close it off with a Go Cougs. Go Cougs, baby. Go Let's get Cougs. it back. Let's get it Th- back. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.